Elizabeth Dusenberg Del Grasso. It's always so fun when I hear you say my last name. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome to Liz and Scotty's Potty, brought to you by Wanda's Flea Market and Driving Range, with all of those left-handed golf clubs, which makes Liz very happy. Mm-hmm. We've never really gotten into the, the fact that you're left-handed. I am a lefty. You've been on this morning show for a year, and we haven't focused on that. That may be a discussion for future days i'm a lefty and a redhead the only thing that would make me extra rare is if i had blue eyes wow if i take your eyes and i put them on my head you know what the rarest form of rare i like you just the way you are <laughs> thank you we've got a fun conversation today don't we mm-hmm. and we fell into this one kind of how it came about is fun but we'll save that because we'll get into that with the person that we are about to to talk with her name is jen Shot, J-E-N-N-S-C-H-O-T-T. And she is a songwriter in Nashville. Mm-hmm. This can be a little dangerous because I love talking to songwriters. And I will get into talking about the minutest details. <laughs> minutest, I don't think, is a word. But in the weeds? Yes. Very, very quick. I love that stuff. And it's I, I can go way too deep into stuff that not everybody is interested in. But... You enjoyed it. You you like this sort of stuff, too. I think anybody who likes music and songs and country songs, yeah, it's one of those neat peeks behind the curtain to see how uh, a song goes from being written to someone choosing it to someone singing it to you hearing it on the radio. And it's not just like within a week. It sometimes takes a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you're about to hear with, again, Jen Schott. Turns out, too, she's also a graduate of the University of Missouri. So we like her. Which is all part of how all of this came about. So let's just get right to uh, our visit with Jen Schott, formerly of Mizzou, now of Nashville. This is Jen. Hey, Jen. It's Scotty and Liz from Clear 99 Radio Station in Columbia, Missouri. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing this morning? We're good. We're so excited to talk to you, Jen. So thank you for taking some time out of your morning. Oh, my gosh. No, I listened to Clear 99 my whole time that I was at Mizzou. So um, this makes me so happy to get to visit with you guys. That is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I was a big country music fan back then. And yeah, great memories of listening of listening to Clear 99, so it was just a full circle moment. That's nice. really <laughs> neat. Now, here in a minute, we're going to talk about how we kind of became aware of you, and it, it is a Columbia-Mizzou connection, but I've got to start first with something that nobody cares about but me, <laughs> and that is that I have a connection to Pittsburgh, Kansas, and that's where you're from, right? It is, yeah. My mom and dad met at Pittsburgh State University. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, my gosh. Well... That is great. My dad taught there for 40 years. Oh, my gosh. Small world. The world just keeps getting smaller. I love it. What department did your dad Uh, teach you? He was in the music department, actually. He taught um, woodwinds. Okay. The reason I ask is because my dad um, went on to become a college professor. And one summer, I think it was the summer before my fifth grade, we went back and lived the summer in Pittsburgh um, because my dad taught a summer school class there. I learned to ride a bicycle in Pittsburgh, Kansas. So, Oh, my gosh. That's so wild. What a small world. I love it. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yes. So neat. Very good. We're talking with Jen Schott. She is a songwriter in Nashville. And how we became aware of her was the other day on the radio, we were just sharing a story about Tim McGraw shooting a new video. 
And uh, kind of the the angle of it was is that his youngest daughter um, is going to be in the video. Yeah, and then we got a text message from Tracy, and she was like, hey, a friend of mine from Mizzou, she actually helped write the song, and it it was so crazy. (laughs) I love that. She goes, I I have her number. Do you want to contact her? (laughs) And we we said, yes, please. (laughs) I love that. Tracy is uh, is a a great friend that I've met through Mizzou, and uh, yeah, I love that there's that connection, and hopefully she's getting to listen this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your time in Mizzou. What did you like to do? Uh, where did you hang out? That sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I loved my time at Mizzou and in Columbia. I was there in the mid-90s. Um, it was a journalism major. And um, boy, yeah, I I have such fond memories of Columbia, of course. When I think of Columbia, I think of Shakespeare's Pizza. Mm. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, Fieldhouse and Willie's and uh, Black and Gold, all kinds of fun places and loved going on the um the trail the mkt is that what it was called yeah yeah. it goes through yeah so many fond memories and i've been back a handful of times since then um i had some friends that lived there for a while and came back for the roots blues and barbecue festival and would run the 10k through town so yeah so many great memories of of columbia and of course, football games and basketball games. It's just a it's just a great place. So, when you were here, were you already doing music? Were you playing out and that sort of thing? You know, it's funny. I I did some singing. I was in a sorority, and so I did a lot of singing through kind of the Greek system and the the homecoming skits and and those kind of things. But I I played piano at that point, but I didn't I didn't play guitar. I didn't get a guitar until I was a senior in, in college. And at that point, I was so busy with papers and getting trying to get graduated that I didn't really buckle down on guitar until I moved to Nashville. So um, I was writing songs on piano, but not, you know, they weren't they were very good. <laughs> <laughs> when did you move to Nashville then? I moved to Nashville in the summer of 90 of 1997. That was the year I graduated. And actually, I I've told the story a few times. Um, I credit one of my professors there at Mizzou. Um, her name is Suzette Hyman. She was in the uh, journalism school, and she really encouraged me to make the move because I was looking at maybe um, I had had a job offer at a PR firm in Kansas City and was thinking about it. But this Nashville thing kept tugging at me, but it just seemed a little, you know, do you do it? And right. uh, and this this professor said, you know, I said eventually I want to move to Nashville, and she said, why eventually? And so um, I really credit her with giving me that that confidence I needed to make the move. So, yeah, moved here in 97 and has been here ever since. So what does a young lady move into town to be a songwriter in Nashville? How did you how do you get started with that deal? Yeah. So well, it, well, it's funny when I first moved here or before I moved here, I honestly didn't even know that songwriting. I never thought about songwriting as a career. I wrote songs. I just didn't know I didn't know it was a career and so I I moved to Nashville thinking oh maybe I want to be a singer but I knew better than you just can't show up to Nashville and become you know (laughs) sign a record deal so I I thought if I can get a, a, a job within the business and start learning within the music business so I actually it was kind of a fortuitous situation I got a job working at a music publishing company and music publishers are the people that staff the songwriters and so that really opened my eyes up to that uh, as a career. And I, and I got to learn, you know, kind of all sides of that as I was 
doing everything from answering phones to typing in song lyrics and, and really kind of getting an education and how that all worked. And I was in town, I guess about three years here before I was able to make the switch from the business side of the music business to the creative side. And I signed my first publishing deal in 2000. And so in that meantime, you know, writing, starting to write with other young writers, playing writer's nights and trying to make those contacts. And, um, and, you know, it's a winding journey, but yeah, thankfully it, it worked out. (laughs) What was that first song that somebody grabbed, whether it be like an up and coming artist or a big artist that you were like, okay, this is it. This is my big break. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, this career is such a roller coaster. There have been a couple of times where I'm like, this is, this is my big break. And it wasn't really a big break, but it was still exciting. Yeah. Uh, my very, my, I think the thing I was most excited about early on, it was maybe two or three years into my um, journey as a professional songwriter is um, Restless Heart, who I loved back in the day. They were doing a reunion album and cut one of my songs. And it ended up, it was a radio single. And that was my first song that I of mine that I ever got to hear on the radio, which was so exciting. Um, and that never gets old, that moment of getting to hear something you were part of creating on the radio. But yeah, that was Restless Heart. That would have been probably 2000. Three, maybe something like that. So, yeah, that was an amazing moment. Well, and tell us, um, like, your part, your hand in creating 7500 OBO. Yeah, so that song... Um, we, I wrote that with, um, two of my co-writers that I love dearly and work with a bit, uh, Matt McGinn and Nathan Spicer. And we actually wrote that beginning of October of 2018. And it was a day where, um, you know, I think Nathan said, Hey, what about a song called F-150? And we're like, I think, you know, maybe we, how can we spin that and make that, you know, unique? Uh-huh. And Matt kind of came up with that, the OBO. And then we were like, is it 75? We were really trying to be accurate. Should it be 7,500? Should it be 8,500? <laughs> but we kind of, you know, you know, writing into that. But it, we all said we really remember the creation of it that day. And, and I remember walking away going, I feel like this is, I feel like we're going to get some, I feel like somebody's going to at least take a, a bite, like want, want to at least be interested in the song. And um, that was October. And I think by mid-November, uh, Tim had heard it and he ended up recording it in January of 2019. And so, yeah, as you can see, it can be a long process uh-huh. <laughs> and where, you know, and, and how it, from the creation process to actually getting on a record and getting on the radio. But yeah, it was a fun day making, you know, coming up with that song and then a thrill to find out that Tim wanted to cut it. Uh, especially, you know, since we put in the lyric, uh, we reference another Tim McGraw song, right. uh, where the green grass grows. So I didn't know that that would, he would want to do that. So that was an extra special uh, surprise. That's neat. <laughs> And I'll yeah. tell you, I, I can get into the weeds real quick because I love hearing songwriters talk about the process and how this this stuff comes about. But explain to me a little bit about sitting down with a group of people. It's I, I think for those of us not in the business, the first time that you hear, oh, I have a writing appointment. So it's almost like yeah. going to work 
and then you just sit down with two or three people how does it how does that process start yeah that's a great question yeah i mean it's you know i think before anyone moves to nashville as a songwriter they've probably only written alone and then you get here and realize it really is a collaborative process and i mean 100 percent of the time these days i'm co we call co-writing so yeah it's um i mean each day I mean, like today is a typical day for me. I will I, at 11 o'clock today, I have a writing appointment with two other people. And yeah, what it will start several ways. Sometimes someone comes in with a specific idea they want to write or we'll throw ideas out to each other. Hey, I've got this title or I've got this concept. Or um, a lot of times these days we're in the room with somebody that is a producer that's building a track. And so they may already have a track going and that might be the inspiration for how we start and then hearing what that track sounds like looking through ideas and be like that that sound that music feels like this kind of an idea or we're in with an artist a lot of days we're creating with an artist in the room like today will be and so obviously we're trying to shape something specifically for that artist okay and i was wondering sometimes we it seems like people write songs just for people you don't always have somebody in mind when you're writing a song, but but maybe sometimes you do. Yes, yeah, sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. I mean, you know, those conversations do happen when we're in the writing room. Of hey, who's who's about to cut? Who's about to go into the studio? And right. sometimes we are aware of that. And so, man, we should target. You know, we should target whoever we know is going in close. But a lot of times, it, the idea is what is what happens first, and then it seems to me as we write it, we go, "Oh, you know what? This feels like it could be good for this particular artist." But yes, especially if, if the artist is in the room, we are definitely writing for that artist. Or if you're in the room with somebody that has a connection right. to an artist, we're like, "Hey, we should write for that artist because we know that it can be sent directly to them." <laughs> We're visiting with Jen Schott. She is a songwriter in Nashville, uh, the most recent one. As she told us, it's not 2019 is when he actually <laughs> recorded the song, but Tim McGraw's uh, new song, 7500 OBO. Do you have a favorite song, Jen, that you've written? Oh, that's always, we always laugh. I'm like, that's such a hard question because it feels like every day you're writing something that you're excited about. Like yeah. the, newest, <laughs> the newest baby is always like, oh, the newest creation, but... There are a couple over the years that um, that I, I hold dear. There's a song that I wrote called I Envy the Sun. And gosh, I wrote it probably in 2002 or 2003. And it actually is a song I wrote alone. Um, but uh, Pantillas recorded it like uh, way back, but then it never came out. And it took 10 years. And then she ended up releasing it on an album 10 years after she had initially recorded she re-recorded it but that's one that i hold dear but yeah i it's hard to, it's hard to pick a favorite it's hard to pick a favorite you talk about it taking some time another thing that we've kind of learned over the years is is you might write a song and then maybe somebody has some interest on it and uh, and they put a hold on it can you kind of explain to us what that means yeah so that's exactly right um once we're done writing the song and demoing it, making it sound presentable, we, you know, turn it into our publishers. They will pitch that song to the record labels, to the artists, to the management, whoever, the producer, whoever they can get it to. And of course, as songwriters, we do some, we pitch those songs too. Mm -hmm. If, if somebody in say, like with example, with 7,500 OBO, um, Somebody, somebody in that camp of Tim's camp heard the song and said, I want to put it on hold, which means 
it's it's kind of an, uh, a handshake of, okay, we're not going to play this song for, and we're not going to pitch this song to anybody else. We're giving you that courtesy to live with it and you're interested in it. And so it's on hold, which is we get, you know, that's like the first step in hopefully getting it recorded. Of course, there are a lot of songs that go on hold that come off hold, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of that courtesy getting to like, we, we will not pitch it to anybody else until we know you're going to record it or pass on it to somebody else. Gotcha. And the, the music business has changed in many, 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 many different ways. But um, as it relates to songwriters, not that it was ever easy to make a living, but it's a lot tougher these days because um, albums and CDs aren't that big of a deal. And if you're a new songwriter, a lot of times you might get an album cut. Maybe it's not one of the big hits that we hear on the radio. But if you get yeah. an album cut, at least that was something that gets a little money coming in. That's one of the ways it's a little tougher to make a living these days, isn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, you nailed you nailed it. It is. It's album cuts used to be if you got enough album cuts in a year, you know, 20 years ago, you could make a living off of that. Now you can't because, again, nobody is buying you know, right. nobody's buying the album, buying the CD. And so, yeah, it is really, um, and, we, and especially in the country market, we depend on, you know, trying to get that radio single. That is where there's still income. And of course, everything has shifted to streaming and, you know, we're trying to get continuing to, you know, fight for higher streaming rights for the songwriter, because obviously that's where it's going as far as and it's shifted from sales to streams. So yeah, it's trying to, uh, trying to always we're always trying to catch up to technology always and th this is where i will get up on my soapbox and say <laughs> this is why people you need to go out there and buy songs not just take them from somewhere because you don't think about it understand it's easier this and that but um songwriters like jen if you're just taking the song from a friend of yours phone and not actually paying for it she can't put food on the table so we always like to at least once during one of these interviews say go out and buy the music don't just take it from somewhere yes thank you so much for saying that it really is true i mean you know you pull the curtain back on it and it yeah it, it can be hard when you get your statements um and you see you know how little is being sold and you're like oh how i'm gonna how am i gonna keep doing this for a living mm -hmm. so right. thank you <laughs> jen scotty and i were on your website and we we're just kind of scrolling through all of the songs that you've been a part of and you have so many accolades first and foremost like the amount of songs that you've had a hand in writing truly incredible but there was one oh, that stood out you. to me oh you're so welcome I am a huge, huge Rascal Flats fan. <laughs> so I saw that you had a part in Feel It in the Morning, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this girl is amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, my whole career, I have wanted a Rascal Flats cut, and I have tried and tried. And in fact, maybe in, like, 2007 or 2008, they cut a song. I was over the moon and then the, the, the song did not make their record oh. um, which that happens and then you know a couple years went by i had a song on hold it actually went into the studio with them and they did not cut it and so um i was so thrilled when they cut feel it in the morning and uh, you know right in the right in the nick of time because that was their, yeah. uh, their last project as a band and i'm like boy we slid in there right at the last minute <laughs> that's really neat and i think a lot of times again we lay people People think, oh, you write a song for somebody, then all of a sudden you become best friends with that person. I would assume you probably, you, you write a song and, and if somebody 
cuts it and it's a song on the radio and you may not even have met that artist, yeah. right? It's possible. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I, over the years I have met the Rascal Flatts guys and I've, I've written with Joe Don a handful of times and, and know the other guys, but um, yeah, I mean, it's very, there are artists that I've had cuts with that I've never met. Yeah. For sure. Well, you just became even bigger in my <laughs> eyes, Jen. For even meeting them, that's really cool. <laughs> so. One of the things you mentioned, too, um, the the writer's nights. If anybody ever gets to go to Nashville, I always highly recommend these because these are just so special. Um, the writer nights or songwriter nights in the round type thing. It, and I've seen on your schedule, you get to do that at the Bluebird Cafe, which is, has got to mm. be a really special thing. But... For those who have not seen one, it's basically some songwriters, probably some people you've never heard of, and they just kind of go around the circle sharing some things that they that they have played, and that's something that you get to do. It's part of that really neat vibe in Nashville, isn't it? It really is. I feel like that's part of what makes Nashville unique, and um, and I, I find that you know we play we play the songs. We also kind of tell the stories behind the songs. There are stories about how they got recorded, and I feel like those stories really help people connect to the song. And uh, yeah, I, I would highly encourage anybody coming to Nashville to try to go see a writer's night. It's um, and yeah, the Bluebird Cafe is to a songwriter. We were just saying this the other night to a songwriter. The Bluebird Cafe is what the Grand Old Opry is for an art recording artist. Yeah. So it's like the history of the Bluebird is is rich in songwriters and songs. And so, yeah, it's it's a thrill to get to play those and um and they're fun. I love getting to attend them, too. It's fun to go as a listener from time to time. Yeah. Jen Schott is who we're talking with, a songwriter in Nashville. And I'm telling you, we could sit here and talk about this little songwriting stuff all day long, but we know you don't have time to do that. <laughs> and we do want to talk about, too, you, you talk about a lot of the songwriters have to kind of find other ways to, to spend their time. And I didn't realize this until we looked at your your website, but you are also a, a a public speaker. Tell us maybe a little bit about how you got into that and maybe some of the things that you do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I it, actually, I will credit uh, my whole public speaking journey really to um, a couple that I went to Mizzou with, and they uh, now live over in Maryland, but they were passing through town and we were, we were, we were talking about the music business and just some of the highs and lows. And, and they were just kind of like, wow, this is kind of some crazy, crazy stuff. And I, you know, just the journey of how hard it can be that you have to kind of continue and hang in there. And anyway, so my first speaking engagement was for a uh, large corporation over in Maryland for a women's summit. And the whole theme of that was about moving forward, bold and brave. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I feel like there are a lot of parallels, but no matter what you're doing in your life, if you're, whatever your work is, whatever your dream is, if you're going to hit those highs and lows. And I know that as a songwriter. And so trying to relate that to to others. So yeah, I've done that. I actually was at Mizzou um, a couple of years ago speaking um, for, um, it was during a graduation weekend for the uh, executive MBA program and got to speak for them. And I've done, of course, some things here in Nashville. So I, I really enjoy it. And I, you know, bring my guitar and kind of incorporate little snippet songs into it because I feel like that keeps everyone engaged. And yeah, just that message of persistence and hanging in there you know, I'm in a business where we hear no 95% of the time. Right. Um, and, but, you know, it, it's somebody's got to get the yes. And so it, that's kind of what my whole message is about. Well, we would encourage everyone to uh, to go to Jen's website. And it is Jen, J-E-N-N, 
And her last name is Schott, S-C-H-O-T-T. It's just jenschott.com. Uh, if you want uh, somebody to come speak to your group, somebody with some Mizzou roots and uh, some Nashville roots, uh, you can take a look at the website. She's got lots of different examples on there, so take a look at that. Jen, this has been so fun. I, As I said, we could just keep going and going and going, but you've got a life to lead, so, so we won't keep you much <laughs> oh. longer. But by all means... The next time you come back to Columbia, please, you and me and Liz will go get a slice of Shakespeare's, okay? Oh, I would love that. I would love that. And this has just made my my whole day to get to visit with you guys and just appreciate you reaching out and um, wanting to take the time to visit. And good luck with 7,500 OBO, yes. too. Oh, thank you. I'm just so thrilled and excited. And, yeah, I hope, hope, it, hope it goes all the way. It's 7,500 OBO. Wouldn't she sweet? Oh my God, she was the best. I almost want to have coffee with her now. I really do too. I really, I really hope she comes back to town and takes <laughs> us up on that. Hey, let's go get some pizza or get some please coffee. Hang out with us, Jen. <laughs> yes. Will you hang out with us, please? And we talked about it there. I, I really hope that Tim McGraw's song becomes a hit. And it may not. It, it may not become a hit. But boy, we're going to be rooting for that one. Same. And go check out the music video if you haven't already, because it is really cool how. Again, this all got started. We started talking about the music video and yeah. Tim McGraw's daughter being in it. And this is a sweet one. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to search out and find Liz and Scotty's potty. We really appreciate you listening. Really simple to find us if you haven't already. Just search for Clear 99 On Demand wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Apple, Google, Spotify, or just head to clear99.com. And as always, we're on your radio, too, each morning, Monday through Friday, from about 5.30 to 10. It's Liz and Scotty in the morning on today's Best Country, Clear 99. It's a clear country morning. So we were glad to find out that we weren't the only ones who found it odd that there was a truck stop with bidets. It's a chain called Sap Brothers Truck Stops, and apparently... They're kind of famous. (laughs) So my family lives around Lincoln, so we drive that a lot. And uh, every time my daughter has to go in and she pushes all the buttons um, (laughs) and and wants to see what the toilet does. Um, And I've traveled a lot. By far, nicest bathrooms I've ever ran across. So we have to stop every time. But it's funny because I'll mention that bathroom to people that... You know, like at my work meetings down by Springfield, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like a phenomenon or something. It's a clear country morning.